But I was told Dude, I was used to, I used to get the statesman back in college. The, the Freeman, right? Freeman, that was it, yeah. yeah. Remember, guys? Yeah, there's a great picture of Ronald Reagan reading the Freeman on, on an airplane. Um, I tweeted it not that long ago. Yeah, Reagan loved the Freeman. Well, then we loved him, too. It was, it, it was a great magazine. It, it went out of print. What? Ben, your phone. Ben, your phone. The Freeman. Right. Yeah. Off. Okay, I want to welcome everyone to the world according to America's humble servant, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. I want to thank everybody listening on our YouTube channel, and I want to thank everybody that's been downloading our podcast. It's been amazing. Um, we're joined tonight by John Middlemore. Um, from the organization Fee, and you're the managing director, you said? Managing editor. Managing editor for Fee, which has been around for 75 years. You will tell us a little bit about it, um, because unlike everybody else that I've said that you're the guest, I'm the only one that didn't know what it was. So, John, briefly. Oh, thanks for having me on. Great to meet you, Ben. Uh, yeah, Fee sure. is short for the Foundation for Economic Education. I think we go back to 1946. Uh, started up right after World War II by Henry Hazlitt, um, a, a prolific writer, and, and Leonard Reed. Um, and Fee's great because his principles are great. Fee, it, it, people that know Fee, like our, our philosophy is anything peaceful. We believe in trade. We believe in markets. We believe in freedom. And so our whole mission is about bringing, you know, economics and economic education to young people and, and everyone who's interested. Well, we are Thank you for that great yeah, explanation. We're interested. And of course, let's give a big welcome back to Remzo on the run, Martinez. He hasn't been on because he's been having a growth spurt on his face. <laughs> he hit puberty recently, but Remzo is the best-selling author of Hello, Cats, It's Me, Remzo, which Cat Fancy rated a tour to Cat Force. Um, you could also hear his podcast on On the Run with Remzo Martinez. Remzo, I've been waiting on that joke for two and a half, three weeks to say. Well, and I'm course, laughing, so good job. And of course, America's humble servant, actor, writer, economist, teacher, lover, husband, son, grandfather, everything combined, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. We salute God you, Mr. You. Stein. God bless you, sir. God bless you. And I wanted to start a little bit talking about the economy. Um, a very always uplifting and interesting subject for people to talk about, but John's been talking a lot and writing a lot about Venezuela and um, how close they are to uh, abject, we know they're in abject poverty, but abject starvation, I would imagine at this point. And I've been looking, I pulled up a list today, Ben, uh, and I read you the list of the highest states of unemployment, and you're right, the national unemployment rate is 6.3%, but the, the big states are at nine or over 9%, and obviously a lot of that has to do with COVID, but these are all Democratic st Democrat states run, Ben, and it could, could it easily go from 9 to 18 with the, with the mismanagement of these goofs that are running California and New York? No. Not easily. I mean, it could happen, but it'd be extremely unusual. I mean, we haven't we haven't had an, an unemployment that low since 1940, so it would be very surprising if it went that high. Uh, it, I mean, anything is possible, and economics is an extremely imprecise science. Uh, Marx called it a bourgeois pseudoscience, and it, it really is a pseudoscience. But 
for it to go to 18% would be extremely surprising. And uh, I don't see how it would be possible considering the level of fiscal stimulus that's being shoveled into the economy. I was just watching our very honorable president, Mr. Biden, uh, speak just before I came over here to be on TV, uh, be on the internet. And that wasn't what you said to me, but go on. He he was he seemed not to be feeling particularly well. Maybe as a cold. Anyway, he wasn't quite getting his words right. But anyway, he he said uh, we we're going to have a very large amount of stimulus. It's going to create seven million new jobs. Um, I I question whether he's able to predict it. I question whether anybody working for him is able to predict it. Uh, but we are getting an awful lot of stimulus. The question is, will we get so much stimulus and put ourselves so much in debt that America goes into bankruptcy? Now that, it seems to me, is a real problem. Uh, if, if interest rates were to rise in any kind of meaningful way with the level of uh, indebtedness that this country has, I would say, and, and the possibility of the inability to, to pay our debts is real. John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, the Wharton School, regarding the, the stimulus, the Wharton School just came out with a study a few days ago, and it, it really kind of poo-pooed the whole Biden stimulus. They said it's, it's going to lead to less economic growth, and it's going to uh, lead to, to lower wages. And I was a little su surprised to see that put up by the, the Wharton School, um, but yeah, you can, you know, there's already so much money in this economy. Um, you know, well, flush, you know put another why, $2 trillion why, into it John, isn't, isn't going to help. Why to see that coming from the Wharton School? I mean, they're not famous as predictors of economics. They're, they're famous as producers of very, very aggressive people in finance like Michael Milken, but they're not famous as, uh, as predictors of the economy. And in fact, all, there, there are no great predictors of the economy. Uh, economists who claim they can predict the future of the economy are simply making it up. They, they can't. And, and uh, the da data and history are absolutely overwhelming on that subject. But uh, it would be surprising, considering the level of stimulus is being shoveled into the economy, if unemployment got a lot worse. It's possible, but it would be surprising. I, think yeah, no, I, I don't see unemployment going to 18%. And like, I, I think that would be a stretch. I do think there's other things in the stimulus that could be that could be arguably worse. If you know a $15 minimum wage isn't a big minimum wage in Washington, DC or New York. Um, in Mississippi, that's a huge minimum wage. In Puerto Rico, you know, if you adjust that, the it's a $64 living wage in, in Puerto Rico. So I, I think we have to be careful. Um, you know, even, you know, I tweeted this earlier today, even, even the Communist Party of China has different minimum wages in different provinces. They realize you can't have one minimum wage for an entire country that's that vast. Um, so, but, so doing something like that could actually, you know, cause unemployment to, to you know, I wouldn't say go up to 18%, but it could, it could cause real problems. Were you surprised by the Wharton because they tend to be, because they went against what Biden was saying and they were disagreeing with it? Is that what surprised you? Yeah, no, and I'm not as familiar with it with Wharton as some of my friends uh, who shared the study with me, and they were surprised because they said they've been um, pretty symp sympathetic to Biden in a lot of their their studies and literature, and it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty hard hitting study. But no, but I mean, I don't think anyone. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I have to laugh at this. I was just a few minutes ago watching Biden say every single economist in America is behind his stimulus package, Republican, Independent. Democrat, everyone. And I thought to myself, wow, I want to get whatever drug he's taking. I want to get it, especially if I ever get diagnosed with a bad disease. I want to be able to take that drug.
Yeah, it's uh, I, I and I would love to meet the everyone. It's the same thing with everyone that uh, is for climate change, that believes in every all things climate change. Every scientist, it's the same thing with every scientist. It's it with the left. It's always every scientist and every e e economist and every. But what about you, Remzo? What are your fears? What are your thoughts? Since I know you're at a you know crossroads in your young, beautiful, handsome goatee life. Is it that bad? I'll freaking shave it, please. No, it's, it's, I think you look great. You go, you go, stop lying. Uh, you, you go to any homeless person in DC right now and you ask them to predict the next four years and they're probably going to be like, why would I do that? It's just going to be the same as it is yesterday, as it is today, as it will be tomorrow. And really, for the most part, um, I, I don't want to call this a quiet administration, but what I will say is it's off. It, it's, it's very predictable in the way that it feels like Obama 2.0. Um, during, That's what saying. Yeah, during um, the first four years of Obama, 08 to 012, I, I'm part of the small camp of people that genuinely believes that unemployment was 20%, like statically. Um, because when you look at the numbers that they were trying to pull out, especially if they're new green energy job initiatives, they were saying that janitors were were considered green jobs, that eco-friendly bus drivers were green jobs. They weren't looking at energy producers. They weren't looking at engineers. They weren't looking at, uh, you know, maintenance workers. What they were trying to do is they were trying to play coy with the numbers. And that's the dangerous thing about, uh, you know, certain economists. I remember attending a um, seminar at the Hoover Institute in 2015, and what they were doing was they were showing the practical Republican approach to dealing with the Cadillac tax that was attached to Obamacare and what the Democrats were going to do by driving the Cadillac tax further. And I looked at them and I'm like, who came up with these projections? And they said, well, we did. And I'm like, why didn't you tell anybody that we should probably just try and scrap it? And they laughed at me and they were like, well, we're not paid to provide the actual solutions. We're provided to provide, we're paid to provide the numbers that were requested in the way that made the most sense. Well, and I might add that yeah. had they been paid to come up with a genuine projection, they wouldn't have been able to do that either. And the only <laughs> honest economist hard to predict. The only honest of economist is on this show. His name is Ben Stein because he's the only person that says, I don't know. I don't know. And, almost and, anything except I just know I'm I just know that I have a great swimming pool and I get to swim in it every morning and I'm really, really happy. But that's but a I great humble that's answer. I mean, that's that's kind of the problem. It's something Ben said earlier. You know, uh, like econ economics is more than charts and graphs. And I think a lot of times we just pump out numbers and it's like, you know, Disraeli said about statistics, you have lies, damn lies and statistics. You can come up with any number you want. And we, and we you know, we, we you know, take these numbers out and, and throw them in front of people. But you're right. We really don't know trying to project an economy five years in advance, 10 years in advance, you know, which is why, you know, with me, with economics, I love the principles. I, I the classical, you know, economics is fun you, you you look at how action works you work how incentives work and you study it from that perspective and i find that much more interesting than uh you know trying to crunch numbers and gdp and macro stuff well, well you know, I 10 find years it out. very funny john that you, that you say we don't know what the economy is going to be like five months from now we don't like know what the stock market is going to be like five minutes from now so we, so what what makes it's us true. think we predict anything with any degree of exactitude, except it's very likely that it will continue along the same path that it's on now. I have a question. I have a I have a quick question for for both of you, whoever wants to answer. But like, when when did the role of economists become so important? 
because well, you see it I sometimes throughout history, but it seems like the last hundred years. Corvette. Sorry. Yeah, like when, when did that role become so important? My father was a very famous economist, and I said, "Bob, can you, if you're a famous economist, can you come up with the money to buy me a Corvette when I was in high school?" And that was when they started becoming famous. <laughs> I, I, I would, you know, just to push back, Remy. So I think, you know, economists are becoming less important. When did, did you see Trump with an economist at all during the pandemic, or or anyone? Uh, when, I, when saw, I, did, I saw him. With, I saw him with. Uh, Larry Kudlow. I guess he's not really an economist, but I did see him with Larry Kudlow. You're, you know, economists don't. My, my father was a real, was a genuinely famous economist. Used to say was, economists don't know very much about the economy, and everybody else knows even less. So that's so that. So that's the problem. It's an incredibly important, confusing, questionable subject. I mean, the economy is based on the behavior of roughly 7 trillion people on this planet. And uh, we just don't know what they're all going to do. But the, you I know, think I, the I think that's question, the right answer, Ben, because too often times you have people that make these, you know, these bold predictions. I had fun uh, just last week with Paul, Paul Krugman. He, in 2015, he called Bitcoin a huge bubble that was going to pop and he sneered at it and laughed. And, you know, if, if you would have put five grand in Bitcoin when he was calling it a bubble, you'd be a millionaire right now. And yeah, but it also has had sometimes when it's had unbelievable crashes. And there are many bubbles that last a long time. And it, but, it's funny. But that's, I don't see that, Mr. Buffett buying it. And it, when he starts buying it, then I, then, then I will agree it's not a bubble. But I, ha I have a close friend. Uh, he, he's a close friend of, uh, a friend of another very close friend. And... Uh, he is trying to explain what, how they get the price for Bitcoin. And I said to him, so it's not based on anything. You guys are just making it up as you go along. And he had laughed and agreed that was true. And I don't want the bubble to burst. I have a very, very close friend who has some investments in Bitcoin and Bitcoin, in Bitcoins. So I would, I would like for it not to burst, but it, it is a bubble. There's just no question it's a bubble. There's, there's nothing behind it except fantasies. There's well, I, I think there's an actual value prop with, with Bitcoin. Like if you look, it's a very durable currency. It's elastic, um, especially when you're backing it up at all. At yeah, absolutely nothing. But, I mean, but think back to the dollar, Ben. What's backing the fiat US money? The dollar has the promise of the treasury to pay it, but that's nothing to do. They're all based on nothing. They're all yeah, well, based that's just on it. nothing. They're all based on nothing. I, you you know unlike unlike fiat money you know how much bitcoin is ever going to be produced like it, it's built it's structured in a way to to maintain value so i'm not saying it's going to go up forever god bless you john if you want to buy it god bless you I, as i say as i as i always say i don't see warren buffett buying it when i see warren buffett buying it i will change my views about it but god bless you i hope you're right i hope you elon musk just bought a lot of it what what'd you say why Elon know? Musk just bought a lot of it. What's Elon Musk? Elon Musk. Tesla. Elon, Elon Musk is a lot like Bitcoin. You're buying into the dream. And on that note, if and you're you're buying into the fantasy. If you just if you just tuned in, you're listening to the world according to Ben Stein. Who knew we could talk about 15 for 15 minutes about the economy and it not be boring? Um, that's because that's because Ben Stein knows how to make the economy sound fun. And uh, Remzo, can you please tell people where they could find us, how people could find us, and all that fun jazz? 
Well, the one thing I want to go ahead and remind you is if you're watching this right now and you haven't hit the bell icon to get the notifications whenever we go live, what are you doing with your life? Go ahead and correct that right now. It's the bell right, icon above. Right, right. Um, and please, you can find the audio version of this podcast. It comes out a day after it airs live on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. You can find it. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It costs you nothing, but it means I everything to us. I do not know how the internet works, so I'll, I would think it's a, it was created by Al Gore, and it's amazing and terrifying <laughs> at the same time. Okay. okay, now I know. I know. And that's it, Rumzo. No, no Substack. Oh, while we're at it, BenStein.substack.com. That's BenStein.substack.com. If you want Ben directly in your inbox with updates and insights and all the wisdom that you can imagine, BenStein.substack.com. Okay, and I want to welcome everybody back to the world according to Ben Stein. And I want to thank our podcast listeners in Switzerland, Japan, the Republic of Albania, the Netherlands, Australia, Socialist Republic of Vietnam, and the Federal Republic of Germany, Ben. We are worldwide, and I want to thank all of them. I don't, I'm, obviously, you're listening, so you speak English, you may be expats, but we thank you for the support. And we're joined tonight by, please, John, say your last name so I don't. It's well, a hard one. Miltimore. Miltimore, manage, managing editor of Fee. And uh, we were talking about the economy, but I want to ask you all the biggest question I wanted to ask last segment after you guys were talking about this. And Ben, you were talking about how coherent Joe Biden was. Don't you think so much of the economy. I, said, I didn't think he was well. Uh, it, it is. It is. Is the belief that the people running the country ha have a handle on what's going on and there's a chance that their that, that their cheerleading will help out the economy do you have any faith in the people that are running the country and i ask all of these you right now that that the economy will go this way i have a lot of fa faith and i'm sure the gentleman underneath me has faith in the people who are running the economy as the 330 million people of America. They're the ones who are really running the economy. I don't think that Mr. Biden knows much about the economy. I think Janet Yellen is an extremely capable and intelligent human being. And I, I have some considerable confidence in her. Uh, as to the others, uh, I don't know. But uh, it's a rare person who knows how to run the economy. And yet, and yet somehow, we managed to grow and be a very prosperous country. So, I, but I, you've been highly, you've been highly generous, and you've been highly praiseworthy of President Trump for what he did for I the economy. He did a great job during the a good during, job, a great job during COVID. And I mean, so, so at the same time, you think he did a great job? Do you see these same people obviously in power now? Do you have faith in these Green New Deal people? No, that, absolutely not. That's no, I don't. I think the whole Green New Deal is a fraud and they don't like it. And by the way, I was kidding when I said Elon Musk is a con man. He, he's obviously a person of astounding capacities for everything, but uh, but I, I don't think Elon, uh, Bitcoin is a real thing. But anyway, but but I don't have I, I, the Green New Deal uh, is the ultimate fraud, the ultimate con. It's just a terrifyingly awful idea. John, I'll ask you that same question. Well, yeah, the, the, the Green New Deal is a is a disaster waiting to happen. Um, I, I don't think, you know, it's going to be something that passes. Not And how many versions of the Green New Deal are out, are out there? There's three, four, five, I think. Um, 
I, I think there's going to be a few things, you know, that that happen that kind of uh, placate, you know, you know, some of the, the climate, the climate movement. But to your original question, I have zero confidence people in Washington, D.C. can effectively run an, an economy. Um, I, I think um, if it was up to me, like the, the, above all else, we'd find ways to get the people trying to run an economy to to to, to get as uninvolved in it as possible. Um, and it was one thing, you know, to Ben's point, I think, you know, Trump might have been a disaster in a lot of ways in, you know, as far as his Twitter account and, you know, some of the things he'd say, his policy is pretty sound on a lot of different policies. Um, and, you know, we people overlooked the fact that we had the biggest wage gains in, in two decades in 2019. Um, and it, it's not close. If you look at a graph, like wages shot up. And, you know, for, for decades, we've been saying, where's the wage growth? And we, we finally got it. And it's for, I think a lot because of the corporate tax cuts. I, 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 just for my own elderly self, don't see what he did wrong, period. I, I just don't see all these allegations about Twitter and so forth. I, I, do, I don't understand what he did wrong. I've read his speech that he gave to his fans uh, on the White House lawn. I didn't see any incitement to violence at all, none whatsoever. And I, I don't get what's going on, except there's a kind of a, a horrible witch hunt against him now by the Democrats who can't think of anything better to do. Uh, I do not like the idea of raising taxes in the middle of a recession, but uh, I, I don't think the Democrats can be talked out of that. And something very interesting, by the way, to count to what you both of you just said, was Trump's lawyer didn't realize the Charlottesville hoax till the morning of he was that he went he went up on Capitol Hill. He never actually he believed that Trump what had said he said that they were all fine people. He didn't see the whole statement till the morning of before he went to Capitol Hill that day to defend to defend his client, which is which is which is a shocking uh, statement uh, to make. But Remzo, what about you? And I used to follow his Twitter account religiously, and he was pretty stupid sometimes. Yeah, wait, yeah, wait, he'd say wait, dumb wait. stuff. Like, and here's the thing: like, the the media tarred and feathered that guy. Like, they he picked a war with the media, and they they threw out all journalistic integrity and attacked him for four years, and would do things like the very fine people, like they would, or or the Muslim ban, right? Like, for years I've been hearing about a Muslim ban, and if you look, there was not a Muslim ban, but they they kind of would say things like that to make him look like a bigot like my, I, my I, biggest question you, about yeah. i'm sorry Red go ahead man i'm sorry go ahead intelligent young men what are the things that were bad that he did on twitter or okay. said that was that were proven to not be true um like I, I can tell you like one thing this would be a poor example it was the one thing where i had a bunch of mega people come after me um it was a dumb thing to say but he it was when Amarosa got fired and he went on and and she was attacking him and and basically um he said the only reason he, he called her some names and said the only reason that he hired her was because she was a vicious woman and I thought, well, that's a poor thing for a leader to say. Yeah, I said, I, I agree. If he said that, that, that was stupid. right. And, and, and yeah, like each not, time he not, fired somebody, like th this was the biggest disappointment of his of his administration. And I like Trump, I do, and I voted for him. And if he runs in twenty twenty four, I'll probably do it again. So, segment. yeah, but um, you know, he he always said, "I'm gonna bring in the best people. I'm gonna bring in the most qualified people." Like, there's the reason why we say, how many Scaramucci's did somebody last? 
because they were leaving. And then what he would do is he would go back and he would insult them. Sloppy Steve Bannon, uh, mischievous Scaramucci, you know, all these people. It's like, why are you attacking everybody? I mean, the, the first secretary of state, he went after him. He would he would go after everyone. It's like, but, dude, but, it doesn't make again, you look Remzo, smart. Remzo. I understand what you're saying, but he was an oper equal opportunity go after. So the, what does it, that mean, it, though? It means that it, 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 if, if you cross paths with him and he didn't like you, you're right. Should he it, airing back? If, if, I, if I quit a place and I start bad mouthing my boss or I start bad mouthing my my past employer, that makes me look bad. If no, I, I hire somebody you know, saying they were the best and then they I fire them and I say they were the worst. That still should make you look bad. I, I appreciate it. you have educated me, and I appreciate it. And, and just go, a final point, back. you know, it, like when I I voted for Trump in 2016, and and I kind of thought he was going to be presidential when he got there. I really did. I thought he's going to, and 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 that kind of never happened. And in his defense, there was this whole Russia Gate thing, and it got you know it went off the rails. Um, it's hard to be presidential when they're trying to to. Uh, impeach you for something that is, you know, that they they uh, basically a scam that um, the, the FBI basically. and the DOJ, you know, it, it was it was it was messy. But yeah, I, I think I think he could have been more presidential than he was. But you know, again, he's he, 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 he asking you. He is who he was. He well, is who he is. I, th I think you have to think to yourself. We always say life is high school. And I would even say life is elementary school. If you have a whole bunch of people teasing someone, that kid is going to tease back. And the, the press was attacking him from day one. I don't, I don't think anyone that was attacked that viciously from day one with no substantiation, just based on thin air, would have uh, been able to restrain himself or herself from uh, attacking back. I, I, I agree. In terms of uh, bad-mouthing, criticizing, mocking, and people he fired, no doubt about it. He should not have done it. There's no doubt about that. And I appreciate your bringing up those examples. But I uh, wish you were president, Ben. I really you're do. Here. Because well, you, know how to, you know how to handle people. Well, God but, yeah. And, and, and also, to, but by the way, John, I want to I just bring up a quick point about, you know, about fighting back. You're right. Sometimes he went a little, let's just say there were some things everybody, but we all wish there are things we could take back. But I always, as, as, as a person that was on Facebook in, from 2000, you know, in the mid 2000s, when Bush was getting annihilated and, you know, being called a Nazi, a baby killer, all of these different things, and never once did he fight back. When, you're the, when, you, when you represent the party, by proxy, you represent the people that voted for you. And when you're getting the crap kicked out of you on a daily basis and you're not fighting back, your supporters are getting the crap kicked out of them at the same time. And, and, and I don't care what anybody says, Donald Trump has been the biggest supporter of his supporters, you know, coming to their defense because he always realized by proxy, they, 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 they're together. You can't take, it's, it's one of the few times I've seen in history where a person is so aligned with their base. And had he not come out and said and defended himself, it would have been him not defending his base. Did he always do it in the way we wanted to? No. Is he the most, was he sometimes not well-spoken? A hundred percent. 
but it was always for the most part because he realized if I don't defend myself and my people, nobody will. And if I don't defend myself, I won't have people. It's just my humble opinion. I think that's a pretty good take, Judah. Uh, you know, and, and I, there, there is something admirable in the way that sometimes he didn't put up with, with this stuff. Um, and I, I, I said from the beginning, he's fearless. Like, it's almost incredible that the amount of stuff this guy took. Um, and there, there's something for that. He is a fighter. Um, I, I wish he, you know, as far as the election being rigged stuff, I think he should have kind of, you know, put a quirk in it. You know, he, he was saying the election was rigged when he lost to Ted Cruz in Iowa back in 2016. So this isn't, I don't think, you know, there's ever been an election Trump, Trump lost hardly where he didn't think it was, you know, rigged against him. Um, and I think there's, you know, like that's a dangerous thing to do. And then he made it worse by surrounding himself with people like Lynn Wood, who is kind of, that guy was saying some real straight, really crazy stuff on Twitter. Um, like, and, and the people you, you surround yourself with matter. And I think Trump should have chose better people. But again, you're talking to some people on this show that do believe and are aligned with his thoughts on that. Um, and we don't talk about it out loud because- I uh, talk about it. That's all I talk about it. Wink, 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 and uh, wink, wink. We we still want to have a show that airs on YouTube, but uh, you're talking to a mathematician and a statistician on the show who um, has looked at the stats and looked at the math. And uh, for him, in six states, won't mention which ones. They don't add up. Um, and um, but I won't mention who that statistician is. It's not Remzo. Um, oh. And uh, I'm very uh, math impaired. And, it, and it's not John. So you're talking. So, John, I understand what you're saying. I truly do. But, um, you know, um, like I said, he's 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 defended his supporters. So his supporters like me and his supporters like Ben, who always wasn't a supporter. If you look back four years ago, four and a half years ago, Ben was not the it was not number one on the Trump train, but uh, became a huge advocate. Is that right, Ben? Yes, it is. And I, I still think. He did a lot of great things, and uh, I will be very eager to see uh, what uh, Mr. Biden can do that's different and better. Well, I think Ben Stein will be a better president. So 2024, here we come. But I think Ben should be running for governor once the recall happens. He's already been, they've already, they've already approached Ben years ago to be governor of California. And um, Ben kindly rejected, but I... Uh, ben, you could I, go to I Disneyland whenever you want. How great of a debate would that be between Ben Stein and Gavin Newsom? Talk about pay, pay, pay uh, what a pay-per-view. I would pay a lot of money that I don't have to watch that, Ben. I'd buy a ticket. I don't think I want to run for office, but thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, like and that note, if you are listening to the world according to Ben Stein, and I just want to say to the people listening to the audience, John, I want to thank you very much for, uh, for coming on and sharing your opinions. One of the fun things I enjoy about this show, and I was sharing with somebody the other day, is that we do have differing of opinions on this show, and that's what makes it fun. And afterwards, I'll text you and thank you and all that jazz. So, you know, to, to the people that this, this is, this is what America should be, okay? This is what we've lost in America right now, is the ability for people to talk, to disagree, you, you know, and, and all of this stuff. And if we could offer that, that's the greatest gift I could think we could offer anybody is anyone listening and anybody on this show is discourse. And um, on that note, Remzo, please tell people where they could find us. 
my my voice is giving out so I'm like as Are we fast out? Is the show possible. over? Man? Please go ahead and hit the bell icon. No, it's not. The commercial break. This is brought to you by Dominion, by the way. Do you need polling computers? <laughs> Dominion's got them. Therefore, go to Dominion.com. Um, please go ahead and check out the the notification bell above, so that way you get notifications whenever we go live every Tuesday and Thursday. Please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review, so that way we can grow our listenership on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, wherever you could find podcasts on Al Gore's amazing internet. And please, do you want more Ben? Do you want more Ben in your inbox? Please go ahead and sign up today at benstein.substack.com. That's benstein.substack.com. I want to welcome everybody back to the world according to Ben Stein. And I find it amazing this resentment you have against Al Gore and his internet claims. And I, I love learned- Al Gore and his internet. Al Gore's internet has given me so many opportunities. And, I, and just so you know, Remzo, if you ever want to meet Al Gore, you could pay 200 grand uh, to join the TED events uh, where he is always there. Um, if anybody, by the way, does not know, that's how much it cost at least 15 grand to go to a TED event. But welcome back to the world. According to Ben Stein, I was reading an article in uh, Breitbart. So I will cite Breitbart that they have a poll now for up for 2024, which I know is a long time away. Um, but Trump is far and ahead uh, against even, you know, the, the, there's he's 50, you know, pretty much 45 percent ahead of the next challenger. Um, which uh, the next person in line, which would be Mike Pence, who's at 12%. Um, You know, I know that four years is a long time. I know in this uh, political world, it's a long time, but it also goes to show you that his supporters aren't just yet ready to give up on him, aren't yet ready to to leave him. And um, Ben, what are your thoughts on that? I I think uh, so much can happen in the next four years that... uh, it's interesting, but uh, in, in no conceivable sense, dispositive. And uh, I think what we Republicans can do uh, is to study the situation in the world and make whatever constructive comments we can. I personally would really like to see Joe Biden turn out to be a great president. I don't think he will, but I would really like to see him do that. And whatever suggestions I can make in my pathetic way to uh, help, I will be glad to do it. I think that's of more importance right now than who's going to be running in the primaries in four years. Really good answer. <laughs> Thank you. No, it is. Like, I, I think we, we put way too much attention on the presidency. We just got over like the most toxic election in my memory. Like, I don't want to be thinking about the next one for until I have to. You see, but John, we sort of do have to because right now we're at a time where, you know, we're at a precarious time in our country with the cancel culture going on. This isn't a time where we could sit back right now and say, you know, Joe Biden might be able to do a good job or this or that. We're at a point where we're we're facing a precarious, I mean, we are, everybody is on the edge of their seats waiting to who's gonna get canceled next, who's gonna get shut up next, who's gonna get shut down next. So this isn't like, you know, for everybody that voted for Biden thinking things would calm down. Well, things aren't calming down. More people are getting canceled. Antifa's on the streets. BLM is going wild. So, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get the, the optimistic type of thought, but it's not 
actually what's occurring in my humble opinion, Remzo. I would, I would just say, who, you know, who's ever, just a, a quick point, whoever is elected president isn't going to be able to change that. Like, I, I don't think cancel culture is something that's going to go away no matter who gets elected. Well, there is no Republican cancel culture, so it only exists on the left. So uh, we, we, we've learned that, that the Republicans do not have it within our power to get somebody to cancel. The media is run by the left, and so they will cancel people. Republicans can't cancel anyone. So it doesn't matter if somebody came on TV and said the most horrible, terrible, racist comments, if that person were thoroughly in bed with the Democratic Party leadership, he or she would not have any, there'd be no question that person would not lose his job or her job. So um, I think that that's the real problem. We have a cancel culture, which is a weapon of the Democrat Party and the left wing in America. That's a real serious problem, a really serious problem. Right. That is being perpetrated, that is being carried on by everybody that works at the Biden administration. This isn't just about Joe Biden right now. These are people there that 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 want to have re-education camps, you know, that that want to well, tell me tell me about that, Judah. Who are those people? I mean, I, I will I find the names for the ne- I will get the names for the next show. I wasn't prepared for those people's names, but they are people that are very close to him that believe we need to be reprogrammed. Not just people needing to learn how to do programming and coding. But that people, uh, that 75 million people need to be reprogrammed. Um, you know, these are people that have been constantly coming out on a daily basis. This isn't just, uh, you I, know. I don't question. I just like yeah. to know who, who the people I will get the names for you. Katie Couric the- was one. Who? Katie Couric. She is what? She says that people should be sent to re-education camps? Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 I, I've tr- I've tried really hard to disconnect from the pundit class, and I mean I don't want to be rude, having rolled my eyes a moment ago, but like I I strongly agree with what John said a moment ago. It's not like a lot of these things are going to change if he's president. And I told and I remember sending something back out on a Twitter, you know, back in November. I basically said, you know, regardless of who win, you know, if if Trump wins tomorrow, I'm going hiking in the morning. If Biden wins tomorrow, I'm going hiking in the morning. Because I think what's happened now, and, and you know, I will take one one comment about the whole cancel culture thing. The left does it in spades. It's a language. It's a religion. They've got it down. But I do remember during the Bush years as a punk rock fan and as a video game fan, Republicans were often going after the video game industry. They were going after the music industry. R- Republicans used to do that. And I was talking to my friends on my show. I don't think they ever got anyone canceled, though, they, they tried, but it, it's it, what I'm trying to get at is p- people want – you know, cultural purity on a lot of things. I mean, Republicans, one day they're cheering on Chick-fil-A. The next day they're saying boycott Chick-fil-A. I, I'm at the point in my life, and I like this uh, I message met, that. I haven't seen the boycott part yet. When did that come out? It was about a year ago, you know, in the before times, before COVID. But John went ahead and sent out a tweet the other day that basically said, you know, if the pandemics, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, John, if the pandemics and the lockdowns have shown anything globally, it's that decentralization isn't just the answer. It is the only answer. 
And I think that's where we need to be. And, you know, going back to our conversation about Bitcoin earlier, the only time I'll say I'm ever going to defend the U.S. dollar is when I say that if people are afraid of a U.S. dollar collapse, then the United States is not here and most likely you're not here either. And, you know, I see a lot of my friends who are buying Bitcoin and they should not be buying Bitcoin. They don't, you know, they have debt. They have credit card debt. They have student loans. They have a <laughs> cash flow issue. I think the biggest problem with America isn't race. It's not religion. It's not anything else. I think it's an issue of income inequality. And what we see often is that whether you're a poor white Republican in Alabama or whether you're a poor black man in Chicago, your problem is your aspects and your opportunities in life. If you have cash flow, financial independence, it won't matter who's president. You'll have the ability to move yourself and your money. And if the past year showed us anything, it's that no politician's going to save you. Trump won't save my life. I was poor under Bush and I was poor under Obama. And the first years under Trump were a struggle for me. And the only person that can take care of me is myself. I love that. That's right on. No, I, and, and that's that's a message like, you know, like that's kind of the message we preach at feet. Um, you know, like so many people put their own power, their own identity in politicians. And I, I don't get it. Like I, I get it to a degree. You know, we kind of pick sides. We want our ideas to be in the Oval Office. Um, some of it's driven by fear. We're afraid the other side might cancel us or, you know, like like all of that's natural. But at the end of the day, um, I, I, I think you, you invest in your, your, yourself, your ideas, um, you, you, you approach this with a certain stoicism, which I don't think people, Americans today are capable of, you know, we, we can't, people need to realize you can't control all these external events. Um, and, and just acknowledging that and accepting that there's power in that. And, you know, like I, I, I think we just got to kind of, you know, accept that it, and it, it'll give us at least inner happiness, even if the world's going to hell outside. Sorry, there, is pa- there is power in prudence. I have a number of friends who are, uh, who, who should have gone to law school or medical school or something like that, didn't, and they should have. And uh, I think uh, they, the, the part of prudence in a world like today is to get a good professional education and uh, go from there. And by the way, somebody, the reason I was laughing is somebody in the chat brought up that Ramzo's too young to be punk rock. But I just want to say nobody's ever too young to be punk I'd rock. I'd flip and you what, off, but my, and, I don't want the show to get taken off. Viewer, I love you. Shared, and what Ramzo's belief and said is punk rock. The problem is we've lost punk rock because nobody's willing to come out and speak their mind or speak their heart or speak their soul and actually write it into their music. Um, and so, Remzo, I commend you uh, heavily. But I also did, Ben, just to, to get to what Remzo was saying, in the 80s, you did have Brent Bozell, right, who would Hell, constantly Brent write. I've known him for a long time. Right, but he was One of my favorite bosses. He was, he was constantly calling for cancel, right? That was his whole thing, was he was about writing letters to networks. I think canceling Chick-fil-A. Not Chick-fil-A, but TV shows. And then you and Remzo, to, 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 to what you were saying, was actually your favorite uh, vice president's wife that fought Congress to get bans, um, the labels on bans, which was Tipper Gore. What type yeah. of evil person wants to go after rock and roll, man? This is, well, her husband created the Internet. She realized it spun a little bit out of control, and she wanted to control Guns N' Roses and Nirvana and <laughs> Alice in Chains and have disclaimers on their uh, CD jacket covers. But, um, you know, and, 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 and John, though, I mean, this is the fear. I mean, I, 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 I almost hate bring, I, the, the, when you bring up Twitter, I almost get nauseous sometimes. And I really do it. Has, I have this visceral reaction to it because 
you have the Ayatollahs on there, you have these ruthless people, and they have decided to, you know, ban the former president and uh, suspend his accounts and cancel him. And that's how easy it is these days. And nobody comes in, nobody with a voice says enough. What are we doing? What have we become? Today, Disney with Gina Carrero, Ben, who we were talking about the other night, from the, the MMA star and the star of the, the Mandalorian, they stopped making her action figures, obviously, since she left the show. And at what point, Ben, as a, as a society, is there a person or people that are going to say enough? Well, I, I say enough all, all the time, constantly. You and I say enough, and reps say enough yeah. constantly on this program. And I say it all, enough all the time on the American Spectator. And so, and I have a very close friend. I hate to even use the word, but she has an account on Twitter. And I say enough on her account on Twitter all the time. So uh, I know Judah doesn't like Twitter, but I say it all the time on her account. No, it's a disgrace. I, I don't even want to bring up Twitter. It's just, it's sickening. It's it's right. absolutely sickening. Jack Dorsey belongs in, he you know what? He belongs in Venezuela right now. John. Well, actually, so we, it's an interesting thing about Venezuela, but Venezuela, I believe, has the, either the most or second most Miss World winners of any country in the world. So well, because they, they're not, they don't eat. Knock Miss World. Miss, 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 they, don't, <laughs> they don't eat, so they always win swimsuit competition. Yeah, um, no, but I mean, I, I got to be honest. The fact that I, I mean, the fact that any, I, you know, my thing on this, that any conservative stays on Twitter is, um, is, is, um, I, I don't know how anybody could do it. Um, I, I just, no offense to you, John, you're not a conservative, you're a libertarian. So that's your uh, get out of, Twitter jail free card. But I just at a certain point when you're watching everybody get canceled and everybody gets censored and 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 I don't know how you could stay on something that that sort of allows that that's sort of the old Hitler, you know, Nazi parable first they came for them, nobody listened. And then when it was they came for me, nobody was there to defend us. Um, so I'm not judging you, John, for being on. No, Twitter. like at first, like, I'll point out, I'm, I'm a conservative libertarian. Um, and I agree, like cancel culture is terrifying. Like, and, and I'm on Twitter. I think I should get off, not because of, of a moral high ground. Although I have had friends recently that just have, they've walked away from Twitter for, for that reason. And I respected them for it. Um, but it's, it's terrifying being on Twitter. Like I, 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 some nights I'll, I'll tweet something before bed and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have tweeted that. What was I thinking? You know, and, and I have, you know, friends in, in, in news media and, and other professionals um, they, they send me stuff, tweets and email and stuff. They're like, well, they use me as their soundboard because they're like, they say, I, I can't say this publicly. They're, they're terrified to say this on Facebook, but they have real concerns about everything going on. Um, but all of this is on this sort of digital record now that, that you, they can take one screenshot and you can lose your job. So it, it's really scary. It's really dangerous. And I, I, I think it's very serious. I, I don't, you know, I, I think there is some disagreement of what's the solution. Like, is government going to come in and, uh, you know, like slap down Twitter? I, I think getting ah, government would, involved could cause more day. problems. That will be the day when that happens in a Democratic administration. That's well, very funny. Especially because Twitter is government. Yeah, Let's, exactly. well let, put. Twitter and the government uh, and all the big uh, uh, social media are all one big brother. One and big not brother. on our side. And and we and we, and that's one thing that we could never forget. They're not on our side. And if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world according to Ben Stein. 
Um, and uh, we are talking about a lot of different things, but Remzo, please tell people all the many different places where they could find us, like us, love us, or hate us, but always just listen. And share it with your family, your friends, your awkward coworker, the one guy that keeps sending you memes online that you're just like, how did I meet you in the first place? Send it around to them. Hit that notification bell so that way you get notifications whenever what we come live. Aquaco, I don't get that. What is Aquaco? I think you. I think I may have had like a glitch or something on the inter- on my internet. Yeah, you're but, having uh, some. Uh... That's all right, Rem. So have a have some have a playlist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Please go ahead. You can find us on. Now I can't talk, Judy. You gotta take him, sir. Right, anyways, can you can find us unemployment in... for a minute, Judy. Can we go back to the unemployment for a minute? Yes, we, we will. I want to welcome everybody back to the world according to Ben Stein. Remzo, take a breath. You're 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 recovering. Uh, ben, yes, economy. The, the the amazing fact is that the policies put in place by our former president, Mr. Trump, are were so good that even with a mandatory shutdown of a very large segment of the society, of the economy, mandatory, never been seen before, we still do not have particularly high unemployment. Judah is fond of pointing out that in some of the large states, we do have quite unusually high unemployment. I point out that on a national basis, the unemployment is, is not as, well, as low as we'd like it to be, but it's not particularly unusually high. And this, it seems to me, is, a show, is an example of a masterstroke, a series of masterstrokes by Mr. Trump in the management of the economy. He never gets any credit for it at all. Every morning, I have laid out for me on the kitchen table uh, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the LA Times. And nobody ever gives him one paragraph of credit for that. And I think it's really extremely unfortunate and very dishonest. John? Yeah, I, I you know, I, like I said, I think there was the Trump economy was surprisingly good. And I, and I say surprisingly Amazingly good. Amazing. Yeah, like it, it was a strong econ- economy. We saw wage growth like we'd never seen. Um, in, gen- in generations, think about and, that. And um, even with the COVID, even with a mandatory shutdown of large parts of the economy, it still isn't that bad. It's bad in some places, but on a national basis, it's not that bad. Yeah, but it also, sorry, John. No, go ahead. And no, also, it, I, it also goes to show, Ben, what I've been saying to you recently is capitalism no longer is the great equalizer. Because you, you have said that, and, and, and I'm sure there's a lot to that, and it's a very, very well-taken point. But what we have seen is that people have adapted to this new society where it's perhaps sometimes unwise to go shopping at a grocery, at a grocery store or a shopping center instead it's best to order online. <laughs> people have adapted to that very, very well, and the economy is humming along astonishingly well. Bear in mind, I'm an old guy. I'm as old, I think, Maybe all of you put together just about just a few and, years. No, well, in a few years. But anyway, but I, and I have seen really bad economic times. These are not really bad economic times. John, yeah, you know, like some of it, I think is hard. Like we live in this 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 time when it, it's. I don't know how how much people are suffering. I have a you know like for me the lockdowns weren't a big deal. Like me and my wife, we both work remotely. Like she doesn't, but now she is. Um, you know, we, we, we have kids that are now we don't have to pay before and after school. We're not suffering. I think a lot of people in my situation aren't suffering. I do think a lot of people were crushed in 2020. 
I, I think, and we're still doing postmortems on all the lockdowns. We're still trying to get a sense of um, how many small businesses were destroyed. Um, I, I think there, there's, there's a lot of damage done, but it wasn't, it wasn't done equally. You had a lot of people, look at the stock market. You know, my portfolio keeps swelling. It was, it was a great year for, for people that were invested. If you weren't invested, if you were the bartender or, or a waitress or the, you worked at a car wash, and you, you know, you were, you lost your job. Like, I, I think, I think this was devastating for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, we're still getting a sense of, um, you know, and, and, that, and that doesn't always show up in the GDP numbers either. But I think we're going to see at the end of the day, inequality got a lot worse during this pandemic. If you look at the unemployment numbers, an average out Judah tells me the 6.3. That is a, it's unfortunate. There should, we'd like to see no involuntary, involuntary unemployment. But uh, by historical measurements, that is not particularly high. And that is because at the very first moment, Mr. Trump stepped in with massive economic stimulus. And it, was, it worked out incredibly well. And that now the question is, how much more can we add to the deficit without guaranteeing national bankruptcy? I saw Mr. Biden on TV, as I said, just before we, we went on, on the air with this show, and he was totally poo-pooing the idea that adding roughly two trillion to the national debt would cause us any harm. And maybe he's right, but there is some point, presumably, at which we do reach the breaking point and can no longer sustain this debt. Maybe we're not at that point, or maybe we're not even close to that point. But we're at a number that's never been seen, even remotely before in peacetime. And to me, it's worrisome. Maybe I'm a fool. It's entirely possible I do many foolish things. I don't think it's foolish at all. If you look like our our debt to GDP ratio was was is about what Greece was it's before the it's breathtaking. It's worse than it was at the end of World War II, yeah. and that was after fighting a very very costly war. And we're at peace now, and, and the de deficit is at a breathtaking level. And we're we're basically looking at modern mon monetary theory, which is one of those fancy terms, but basically it's it's the idea that we can just print money and we don't have to worry about. Well, uh, modern monetary theory holds that by some magic that we can have print as much money as we want and not have inflation. The, all of economic theory and thought has been turned upside down in the last couple of years, and nobody seems to notice, notice it. It's as if the laws of gravity had been repealed. Maybe they've been repealed, maybe not. If they come back and turn out to still be valid, we're in a world of hurt. Yeah, I mean, if you look, everybody is laughing at the modern monetary theory folks five years ago, 10 years ago. They're, they're kind of running the show now. And there's a few people that are, are starting to, to, to say, hold on here. You know, there, there, there's going to be some problems. Lawrence Summers was just, you know, just uh, wrote something on this that said you need to be careful. But you're right. We don't know, you know how close are we? Um, I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that question. Um, I, I fear that by the time we get there, we're not going to be able to. Be, be able to stop. That will be the problem. So well, I love already, how both of you can't stop. Can't I, my favorite thing, Rumzo, if you're not hearing this, like both of them. Oh no, I'm, 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 I'm loving this. But both of them sort of painted it. I got to be honest. You both sort of said like, you know, things are, you know, everything's good for you guys and things are good. Not and you me. just, I live a life of, but you guys, poverty. but you guys painted an extremely grim prognostication of of of, of, uh, of the future uh, I, I don't know when that future is whether it's a year four years three months but both of you right now really um, 
painted a very frightening picture. A possible possibility. I, what I'm saying is with, with total aggregate deficit numbers as big as they are, we can sustain them indefinitely as long as interest rates are essentially zero. But if they start going up, we're in a lot of trouble. Well, I don't think they'll be going up anytime soon, um, but I think that I, I, don't, I don't think they have a choice in that matter. Um, you know, I, I think I, they're going to have to remain. Me. I, it might be it might be up to Remzo. It's not up to me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it, uh, I'm not a prepper or anything. I'm a pretty optimistic guy. But you know, like the, the realist in me, see, we're we're doing some dangerous things. And you know, you mentioned earlier, Judah, that I I wrote about Venezuela. Venezuela was the you know the richest country in Latin America not that long ago. Um, you know, they were. And they, if you look, they were doing really well, and then they weren't. And it sneaks up on you fast. And the problem was, instead of pulling back, you know, like after nationalizing all these industries, that they they didn't learn their lesson. They went all in, and, and they started wage controls, price controls. They they tried to use more more things, you know, more government to fix the problem, and it got worse and worse and worse. And and, and it's a tragedy. Like, you know, and now, now Venezuela, you know, a decade later, they're privatizing industry again, saying like, we, we have no choice. We're, 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 we're going to privatize companies and, and work with them and take a cut. Um, but it, it was a very harsh lesson that economic reality, it's real. And we can pretend, that, you know, modern monetary theory, we can print money endlessly. You can't. Um, it, will, it will eventually catch up with you. And I just want to bring we have, unfortunately, my, I will say one of the laws I learned in economics is that money is a constant, bubbles are a variable. And we're seeing many different bubbles floating all around the world, but money is a constant. And to be producing the amount of money that we're producing in this country now, it, unless Every single thing that everyone has ever written about the economy ever in the last up until 10 years ago was wrong. We're in for a reckoning, but maybe, but maybe everything was wrong. I mean, maybe everything was wrong. But and I just want to bring up something to the people uh, that are commenting on the Bitcoin. Um, uh, the, there's a few things that, that, that you guys forgot to bring up. First of all, we don't know who runs Bitcoin. I mean, I, I get people are saying it's people to people. We don't even know the people. Oh, 90% uh, of Bitcoin is owned by 3% of holders. Right. And, 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 and I can't imagine investing in something that if you go to bed at night thinking you're worth $5 million, <laughs> you could wake up in the morning being worth $5,000, which, which is a lot different than the stock market, which people have issues with, but at least it shuts down at four o'clock in the afternoon. You could put cells on things. You could, you know, you, you could sort of regulate how you want to do your trade. But then Robin Hood could tell you what you can and can't buy. Uh, because, yeah. then the because then the hedge funders can tell you that you're, you know, you're being uh, unequal and unfair to the general market. Yes. Okay. Bitcoin well, has problems, note, but let it be note, our problems. Note, on that note, Ben's wife isn't feeling great, so Ben, we're we're gonna. But uh, and I want to wish happy birthday to my mother. I want to say birthday, welcome. Mom. I want to say welcome Mom. back to Remzo on the runs, Martinez. Um, and it, seriously, listen to Remzo's podcasts; they're amazing. And Remzo is a comic book geek, and there's nothing more fit I, that I love than a comic book geek. John, tell people where they can find you. Hey, check us out. We, you know, Foundation for Economic Education, that's fee.org. And I'm on Twitter. You can find me there too, Miltimore79. I get a little sassy sometimes, but oh well. 
Uh, sadly, nobody that listens to the show is on it, but Parlor supposedly is 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 back on. For are some they back? Of us, is, is back off. Have you seen Pet us. Cemetery? <laughs> Great movie. It's kind of like the cat. <laughs> and oh, so no. Parlor is back for some of us. Parlor isn't working, but uh, hopefully Ben will be back with his uh, 200 some odd thousand followers on Parlor very soon. Um, we want to thank everybody that's been listening. Um, Remzo, for the last time tonight, can you tell everybody where they could find all of us? And thank you humbly for everybody that is listening and commenting in the YouTube chat. Thank you humbly. Yes. Uh, Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Audible, Amazon, Stitcher. Google The World According to Ben Stein, and you're going to see a giant laundry list of different places, different apps, different directories where you can download the show. And please, please, if there's one thing you do, it costs you nothing, but it means everything for, <laughs> for us. Give us an honest review and a five-star rating. Helps us expand the listenership, lets people know all the fun we're having, and it gets us on those trending charts. Yes, and, thanks, oh, gentlemen. And before I forget, benstein.substack.com. Get Ben directly in your and inbox. And also the American Spectator. Also the American Spectator. Also the American I've been um, reading sorry. your column, Ben, for 15 years. It's great. You. Thank you. And Ben, if you feel up to it, to lead us out in song if you'd like. But if not, I'd like to sing a song that I think means a lot to all of us. And I've sung it before, and we've sung it in jail sometimes. Sometimes we've sung it when we've been being beaten by the police. But we'll sing it again. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. That was lovely. We salute you. We salute you humbly. America's humble servant, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. Everybody in live stream, have a great night. Thank you guys. Said bye bye to Twitter and.